Napa know-how. Just in time for the holidays, select Craftsman tools are now available at Napa. Celebrate with a Craftsman 20-volt cordless impact wrench kit for just $149.99. It's the perfect gift for everyone in your list, even you. So get great savings on select Craftsman tools, now available at your local Napa store. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores, while supplies last. Offer ends 12-31-19. From the host of the Geeky Retro Nerd Show podcast, the only podcast to be named by Mr. Mark Hamill himself, this is Journals of the Jedi, a Star Wars podcast. How are you doing? Welcome to Journals of the Jedi. My name is Adam, host of the Geeky Retro Nerd Show, and I am honoured by your presence. I'm also honoured to have sponsoring the show TruffleShuffle.com. If you head on over to their website, you will see that they have loads and loads and loads of retro t-shirts and geeky gifts. And if you use my special discount code of GRNS15, GRNS15, you will get a 15% discount of £25 or more. And they have loads of Star Wars stuff. Absolutely loads. T-shirts, cups, key rings, the lot. So go to truffleshuffle.com and have a little look. So here we are. We're at the big one. Star Wars year by year, 1977. It's the big one. <laughs> I can't say enough how big this year is in the history of Star Wars. And as usual, I'm using uh, an incredible book, Star Wars Year by Year. And this is why it's called Journals of the Jedi. I've got loads of Star Wars books. And uh, when I'm researching for the episodes, I use them uh, to make sure that what I'm telling you is right. Because I am by no means a Star Wars expert. I don't claim to be. I just love the movies. And I love Star Wars. And I love talking about it. So I've got an incredible book, Star Wars Year by Year, a visual history, and everything you ever need to know about the history of Star Wars is in there. And that's why it's called... Well, it's called Journals of the Jedi for two reasons, actually. That's one reason that I use these journals or books when I'm researching the episodes. The other reason is because Mark Hamill suggested that name on Twitter. If you don't follow me on Twitter, have a look at Geeky Retro Nerds and uh, have a look through. It was a little while ago, but you will see that I asked Mark Hamill what I should call uh, this Star Wars podcast, and he said journals. Uh, Jedi Journals was his name that he suggested, actually, but I said that already exists. So I had to put another spin on it. But here we are. 1977, and as usual, I start with the top 10 grossing movies in that year. Here we go. So as usual, these are the highest grossing movies in the USA. 
And starting at number 10, Annie Hall, which grossed just over $38 million. Number 9, Oh God, which grossed $41.5 million. Number 8, The Spy Who Loved Me, Roger Moore as Bond, brilliant, which grossed uh, $46,838,000. Number 7, The Deep, which was just over $47 million. Number 6, A Bridge Too Far, just over $50 million. Number 5, The Goodbye Girl, which was uh, which was a domestic gross of $82 million. Number 4, Saturday Night Fever, um, which was just over $94 million. Number 3, absolute classic and a favourite of mine, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which grossed oh, well over $116 million. So quite the jump between 4 and 3. Number 2, Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> which grossed nearly $127 million. Now, usually at this point, I ask you if you know what was number one in this year, but I don't think I need to ask you this time. Um, it was, of course, the incredible Star Wars. Okay, so now let's look at the top 10 selling singles of 1977. And this is in the UK, this one. Movies is in the US, singles is in the UK, as usual on this show. So let's have a look at the top 10 singles. At number 10, Angelo, Brotherhood of Man. At number 9, So You Win Again, Hot Chocolate. At number 8, Way Down, Elvis Presley. At number 7, I Feel Love, Donna Summer. Number six, Knowing Me, Knowing You, Aha, uh -huh, Abba. Number five, Silver Lady, David Soul. Number four, When I Need You, Leo Sia. Number three, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, Julie Covington. Number two, Don't Give Up On Us, David Soul. And at number one, Mull of Kintyre, Wings. So here we go, let's get stuck in 1977. Wow, what a year. Probably the most, well, it is the most important year for Star Wars. Now, as you may or may not know, Star Wars was, was released in May in the USA. So we've got a few months to cover first before release. So I'm just going to do that. So in the early months of 1977, George Lucas's ILM team was still working uh, to complete visual effects for Star Wars. Three editors are working long hours to assemble the footage into a cohesive story. Last minute additions of a monocular monster for the trash compactor scene and a matte painting of the Mos Eisley Cantina's exterior are among the film's final shots. Lucas's highest expectation for Star Wars, listen to this, his highest expectation is that it will break even at the box office. So, he <laughs> bless him, he didn't have very high expectations, did he? Um, but little did he know, or did he? Did he know? I think he did. I think he did know that he was onto an absolute winner here and he was going to capture, you know, the imagination of the world, just about. But anyway, January 1977. What happened in January 1977? Well, um, January the 11th, famously... Mark Hamill crashes his new BMW on the Antelope Valley Freeway in California and requires reconstructive surgery to his face. Um, and I think he was reasonably lucky to come away alive from that crash. I've seen a few interviews with him talking about this. Uh, by his own admission, he was going too fast. 
and he crashed. Luckily, he says, there was no other cars about on the road. And he was bloody lucky, I think. He was bloody lucky. Um, so, a body double replaces Hamill for the final shooting of additional scenes with the land speeder. And those were filmed at China Lake Acres north of um, Los Angeles. So, you know, uh, 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 you know, you've just, well, you haven't even finished filming one of the biggest movies the world's ever going to see. And, he, and unfortunately, he has a car crash. But like I say, really lucky to come away from that. Um, but I think he fractured his nose and his eye, I think it was. Um, so he, he was he was disfigured slightly, and um, you know that that could have been the inspiration for the Wampa scene in Empire Strikes Back. But we'll talk about that more in 1980, the 1980 episode. So that happened in January. In March, the soundtrack, one of the greatest soundtracks of all time by one of the greatest composers of all time and, and I hold John Williams in such high regard I really love his uh, work on several movies um, you know he's I really love him I, I love Alan Silvestri as well with his, with his work as well particularly on Battle of the Future and more recently on the on the Infinity War with the um, Avengers movies he's done an absolutely cracking job there but John Williams is at the top he's at the top of the tree and in March 5th to March the 16th, he conducts the London Symphony Orchestra to record the Star Wars soundtrack and it's recorded over the course of 14 sessions at Anvil Studios in Denham, England. And, you know, cards on the table, Star Wars would not be what it was or is without John Williams. You know, us fans, George Lucas, everybody involved with Star Wars owes John Williams a massive debt of gratitude for let's face it absolutely nailing the soundtrack so that was march also in march uh, march the 8th actually the first issue of marvel comics six issue adaptation of star wars hits the stands and it's got a cover date of july and it, it's a really interesting story this uh, because writer roy thomas and artist howard chaikin worked from lucas's screenplay and they had really limited visual reference to create the comic. Um, uh, and it, it includes the scene where Luke witnesses the space battle over Tatooine before he meets um, Biggs Darklighter at Anchorhead. And famously, of course, it's a scene that was removed from the movie. And at this point, George Lucas had already decided that this uh, scene was going to be cut from the film, but it's in the comic. Chaikin and Tom Palmer collaborate on the cover art, which echoes the layout of the poster Chaikin created for the previous year's San Diego Comic Con, which I mentioned in the 1976 episode. And on the cover, both Luke and Ben Kenobi have got red lightsabers, and Darth Vader's helmet is green. Um, and the 20th Century Fox executives have massive doubts over the promotional value of the comic. However, Star Wars number one quickly sells out. Then in April, Star Wars com comic number two, issue number two comes out on April the 12th. And um, the issue features Han Solo's meeting with Jabba. 
So that was still in the script when, you know, when they got their peepers on it. Um, the issue, uh, sorry, Lucasfilm had informed the comics creative team that Jabba would not appear in the film, but they allowed Pencilla Chaikin to base Jabba's likeness on a photograph of an alien that the film's production department called variously Walrus, Ming or Mingo. And the in the comic, he looks absolutely nothing like what Jabba eventually becomes. But, you know, they're not mind readers. They haven't got a crystal ball. He was removed from Star Wars. Uh, we didn't see him until Return of the Jedi, of course. Um, but, you know, the intention was for him to be in the uh, original movie and they, they, they created the likeness based on um, some drones that had been done so that was April um, in May May 1977 a sneak preview of the movie May the 1st actually the first public screening of Star Wars takes place in San Francisco's North Point Theatre and to maintain secrecy, the invitation-only preview screening is advertised on the marquee as the world premiere of Alaska. And there is, as a photograph here, in the book, North Point Theatre, and the main showing is Slapshot with Paul Newman. And underneath, it says, um, uh, also, world premiere Alaska, just to keep things uh, under wraps. And although the sound mix is not complete, the preview is a huge success with the audience. Imagine being in that audience. Wow. Imagine seeing that original early screening of Star Wars. Being able to say, I was there, I saw it, and I loved it. Brilliant. Um, also in May, Star Wars Comics number three comes out. And it's got a cover date of September. And in this issue, the Millennium Falcon enters the Death Star. Again, because a limited visual reference for the comics creative team, the Falcon lacks laser cannon turrets and the Death Star does not appear nearly as immense as it will in the film. And it's a bit little in the comic. <laughs> There's a picture here. It's a bit tiny. Um, it's not as imposing as it is in the film. And it says here, also in 1977, a Vader promotion, Charles Lippincott enlists Kermit Eller, an employee at Don Post Studios to wear the Darth Vader costume at the American Booksellers Association Convention in San Francisco in May. Ella will continue to personify Darth Vader at future public events. So Kermit Ella was a jammy bugger, wasn't he? <laughs> Getting to dress up as uh, Darth Vader um, in, in the promotional work for the movie. So that was, what was that, January to May of 1977. Like I said before, the film was released in May in 1977, in the USA anyway, which I'm going to talk about a little bit. Um, so here we go. But first, I'm just going to take a break to talk about something. And that something is uh, a new app. It's a new podcast player app. And the reason I want to tell you about it is because my show is on it. And uh, I don't want you, my valued listeners, to miss out because um, it's a new app called PodCoin. And PodCoin is the app that pays you to listen to this podcast and any other 
podcasts that you might enjoy. It's the podcast player that pays and it's available on iPhone or Android. It's free and it's really, really easy to use. Um, And the way it works is as you listen to podcasts, you earn something called PodCoin and you can use the PodCoin you earn to claim gifts or this is great, you can donate it to charity and it really is amazing. It turns your podcast listening into charity or if you like, get um, uh, uh, what is it? There's Amazon gift cards or Starbucks gift cards. Um, I use it now to do all my podcast listening and I've already had an Amazon uh, voucher. So the more you listen, the more you get, the more you get rewarded or the more you can give to charity. And if you go and download it now, it's PodCoin. The app is called PodCoin. You download it and register. And um, you'll get 300 PodCoin just for signing up. And then I also have a code which you can put in, which is Geeky. G-E-E-K-Y, Geeky. And when you, when you register that code, you will get a bonus amount of PodCoin as well. So go and give it a try. Like I say, it's on iTunes and Android. Podcoin is the name of that app. All your other favorite um, podcasts are on there. And the more you listen, the more you get rewarded to claim vouchers for yourself or donate to charity. So the release of Star Wars. So Star Wars opens in 32 theaters in Los Angeles, San Francisco and New York on May the 25th and Lucas this is great Lucas is sitting in a hamburger hamlet across the street from Man's Chinese Theatre in um, LA previously uh, Grauman's Chinese Theatre when he sees a huge crowd and then limousines pull up so he's sitting in a burger joint outside Man's Chinese Theatre just sort of looking to see what's going on imagine that imagine how he's feeling you know, your, your movie which you've sweat blood and tears to get made um, over the last few years. And you're, you're sitting in a burger place watching what's going on. Um, and, and, and you're seeing limousines and all sorts pulling up. Man's Chinese Theatre has the biggest opening day in its 50-year history, taking in $19,358 at approximately $4 a ticket. Now, whose were the limousines? Who did the limousines belong to? Well, they belonged to Playboy founder Hugh Hefner and his entourage who watched the movie twice in a row. So Hugh Hefner and his entourage went and watched Star Wars twice in a row. So like I say, it was released on the 25th of May in the USA, 1977. And back then, the release dates for movies were different. Um, they, they were quite spread out. In fact, for Star Wars, they were really spread out. It's not like today where you get a huge blockbuster movie come out. Normally within, you know, the Star Wars movies now are released within a couple of days. Uh, for some reason, us here in the UK are getting it a day early or so. I think with The Last Jedi, Fr- I think France, or was it Solo? France were the first to get it. Then the next day, the UK. Then the next day, um, USA. But back then, here's the worldwide worldwide release dates for Star Wars. USA, 25th of May, 1977. And then a massive jump to the 19th of October for France. 
21st of October for Italy, 27th of October for Australia, 18th of November for Brazil, 27th of December for the UK, 27th of December for us, um, 26th of January for Hong Kong, and then the 30th of June, 1978 for Japan. I mean, that is that that is more than a year spread out the release. I mean, the the you know, obviously back then there wasn't internet and news didn't travel as fast. But by gosh, we must have known here in the UK come December what Star Wars was, what it was all about, how all about, and how it had gripped the world. I wasn't born in 1977, so I, I don't know. Um, but, oh, man, that must have been an excruciating, an excruciating wait. So six days after release, um, the box office takings are sitting at a very healthy $2.5 million. And an absolutely knackered Lucas goes to Hawaii for a short vacation. And he's joined by none other than Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not a bad holiday, buddy, is it? Uh, Steven Spielberg. Uh, Steven, I'm going on holiday. Oh, where are you going? Hawaii. Do you want to come? Uh, yeah, go on then. <laughs> um, so Steven Spielberg joins him. And um, Spielberg expresses his interest in directing a James Bond movie, which we still haven't seen yet. I really want a, a Spielberg-directed Bond movie. I think that would be incredible. Um Lucas discusses his own idea for Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Adventures of Indiana Smith. <laughs> it's a bit underwhelming, isn't it? Indiana Smith, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, because the hero's name reminds Spielberg of the film title uh, Nevada Smith from 1966, Lucas later changes it to Indiana Jones. Um, so there you go. That that the, you know he's he's just knocked out Star Wars, and already he's thinking about right. What else? What else can I do? Um, so that was still in May. In June, Grand Theft Auto is released. Now, um, you know, Grand Theft Auto isn't just a series of games, kids. Um, it was a movie back in 1977 and it's, it was released in uh, on June the 16th and it was executive produced by Roger Corman and it was filmed in just 15 days. Uh, the Comedy Chase movie is the first feature film directed by Ron Howard, who was also the co-writer and the star. So there you go. Um, in July, now check this out. In July, Star Wars and other galactic funk album is released and it's got a it's got a disco version of the star wars theme on there and if you haven't heard it it's absolutely incredible listen to this
July the 18th, C3PO uh, appears on the cover of People magazine. On August, Tops releases its first series of Star Wars cards consisting of 66 cards and 11 stickers. The backs of the cards contain either facts about the movie, story summaries or photo fragments that can be assembled into a puzzle. On August the 3rd, um, Footprints at Man's Chinese Theatre. C-3PO, um, who was, uh, it was Anthony Daniels, Darth Vader, Kermit Ella again, and R2-D2, remote controlled by Mick Garris, set their hand and footprints in the concrete forecourt at Man's Chinese Theatre. And I've been, and I've seen them, and it's very, very cool. Um, Star Wars Digest. Given the success of the film, the Star Wars story is released in digest form in August 77 and the story is adapted from the adventures of Luke Skywalker, obviously written by George Lucas. Also in August, Escape from the Death Star, Kenner releases the first Star Wars board game. Um, Escape from the Death Star and the game is extremely popular and is re reproduced all over the world to countries that include Japan, Germany, Italy and France. Uh, capitalising on the success of George Lucas, Warner Brothers re-release THX 1138 um, but it does not become a commercial success but it does of course later gain cult appreciation. On September the 16th, the making of Star Wars is broadcast on ABC television, um, executive produced by Gary Kurtz, legend, directed by Robert Gannett and written by Richard Schickel. It's narrated by William Conrad and hosted by C-3PO and R2-D2. The documentary features interviews with the cast and crew of Star Wars. And I'm pretty sure it's one of the extras on the Blu-ray um, collection of the movies. In October, uh, metal and plastic Star Wars lunchboxes are produced in the US by King Sealy Thermos. The metal lunchbox comes in two versions with either a star field or character art around the sides and a plastic Thermos jug. Did you have those? Did, did you um, have those, um, those bait boxes as I call them? Lunchboxes? If you've still got them I'd imagine they're worth a few quid. Um, now then, November. Who remembers the early bird package? Have you heard of this? It's very, very famous. Uh, unable to release Star Wars action figures in time for Christmas because of the lead time required for production, Kenner releases the early bird certificate package, which quickly becomes known as the empty box. The box does in fact contain a mail-in voucher for the first four Star Wars action figures and a promise that the toys will ship in early 1978. So basically you're just, you're buying the um, the promise that you're going to, <laughs> you're going to get something um, in the next few months. And that's why it was called the empty box. There was nothing in it um, apart from the stand and um, the promise. It was like an IOU, IOU some Star Wars action figures. <laughs> very, very famous. Um, also, and I didn't realise till I, till I looked in this book, also in November, November the 28th, Lucas completes the story treatment for the first Star Wars sequel, The Empire Strikes Back. The treatment opens with Luke Skywalker being attacked and bashed in the face by a giant snow creature. 
um, a story point that addresses Mark Hamill's facial wounds from his car accident in January 1977. Lucas hires Lee Brackett to write the Empire screenplay. So before the year's out, he's already got big ideas, as our George, for um, a sequel. And of course, it would have been ludicrous, absolutely insane not to do a sequel. Um, and in December, I mentioned before, Saturday Night Fever came out on December the 16th. Um, Bob Hope Christmas Special on December the 19th. The Bob Hope All-Star Christmas Comedy Special is broadcast on NBC television. Mark Hamill guest stars as Luke Skywalker in a skit titled Scar Wars, which features Bob Hope as Bar Vader. <laughs> the special also features Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy, performed respectively by Jim Henson and Frank Oz. So there you go, that was in December. So clearly an absolutely jam-packed year for Star Wars uh, 1977. And as usual, I'm going to finish the episode by referencing some of the world events in that year. So Queen Elizabeth II celebrates the Silver Jubilee. Um, there's the first synthetic insulin. Uh, the Apple II computer goes on sale. There's a 25-hour blackout in New York City. Imagine if that happened these days. Yikes. Um, Charlie Chaplin dies. Pele plays his final soccer game and the Atari 2600 is released. Did you have one of them? Great console. Um, so, that's the end of the episode. Really difficult to get all the events of 1977 into one half-hour podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've learned something. I hope you found it interesting. Um, let me know on Twitter, at GeekyRetroNerds. Uh, but I'm going to give the last word to George Lucas. Uh, I hope to hear you again on the next episode, which is 1978. One of the key factors in the uh, success is that it's a positive film. It has heroes and villains, and uh, that it essentially uh, is a fun movie to watch. It's been a long time since people have been able to go to the movies and see a sort of straightforward, wholesome, fun adventure. Just in time for the holidays, select Craftsman tools are now available at Napa. Celebrate with a Craftsman 20-volt cordless impact wrench kit for just $149.99. It's the perfect gift for everyone in your list, even you. So get great savings on select Craftsman tools, now available at your local Napa store. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores, while supplies last. Offer ends 12-31-19. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. 
I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.